With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. In Atlanta, one voice has stood out for over four decades. An AJC original, The Monica Pearson Show. Let's talk about how you got to ESPN. Revealing interviews. You are known as America's doctor, but I want to know who you were before that. When you have a different name, you have different color skin, it can be tough. With Atlanta's most famous faces as you've never seen them before. I'm telling my story. This is the American dream. The Monica Pearson Show, streaming now on AJC.com. Hey everybody, this is Doug Robertson of the Atlanta Journal-Constitution with today's edition of Southern Fried Soccer. Atlanta United drew with Toronto 2-2 on MLS Decision Day. The Five Stripes are the fourth seed in the MLS playoffs. They are going to host Columbus either Wednesday or Thursday. The league is supposed to announce that either later tonight or in the morning. Um, might have some breaking news. I'm, we might. I'm joined uh, by Jason Longshore who might have some breaking news for us. On their decision day broadcast from MLS, uh, they said Thursday at 7. Thursday that hasn't at seven. been tweeted out. Nothing else has been tweeted out from the league. I don't know if that was official or if that was speculation, but Thursday at 7 is what was said on their decision day broadcast. That's a little surprising to me because it's my understanding that there's one national TV window and they figure when Chicago's playing New York, those are the teams that they would want to be broadcast nationally, but... I think Atlanta moves the needle. All right. I I think really that's what it comes down to is you see it today with... 71,000 plus. The the number, I think it's, what, 48,200 average attendance for the season. It's the highest mark in American club soccer history. Yep, it broke the record set by the Cosmos uh, way back in 1978. It obviously broke Seattle's mark set uh, in 2015. Um, they set record for highest average attendance, uh, both obviously in history, but total attendance. Um, and overall, I mean, they, they sold 71,000 tickets. There weren't 71,000 people sitting in the seats. They may have been on the concourse or what, but none of that really matters. Yeah, there's there a lot people. of people in the standing room area and a lot of people on the sky bridge. That was pretty packed for most of the day. I'll bet a lot of people probably bought the cheap, cheap seats and then moved down. Maybe. Let's go through the goals really fast before we start talking about the game. Uh, excuse me, Yamil Asad scored the first goal on a penalty kick in the 31st minute. Uh, the penalty kick was the result of a handball off of his header from just a few yards away. We'll get into the use of VAR in that in just a little bit because it was once again bizarre. Uh, then Toronto tied it up on a goal by Josie Altador in the 60th minute off a miscommunication between Michael Parkhurst and Brad Guzan. It was a well-done through ball uh, from Moore. Uh, Parkhurst thought Guzan was going to come out and claim it. Guzan thought Parkhurst was going to clear it. Neither one did that. Altador was able to push through Parkhurst and get his foot on the ball and kind of poke it into the goal. Frankly, it was a kind of a cheap goal. It was a sloppy goal that Atlanta United players admit it was a sloppy goal. Then Atlanta United came back on a goal by Joseph Martinez in the 74th minute, his 19th goal this season. Uh, Hector Viaba whipped in across from the right, and Martinez was able to get in front of his guy and kind of knock it in to the opposite corner with his right foot. 
And then in the 84th minute, everyone kind of held their breath because there was a free kick about 25 yards from the goal. It's a pretty good distance away, but everyone knows what Sebastian Giovinco can do with free kicks. And sure enough, he curled it over the wall and into the near post upper right corner, kissed off the crossbar and went in. Guzan, Brad Guzan said it was probably the only place he could have put it and scored, but he did. Uh, Jeff Lorenowitz, you know, said it was it would be a tough goal for everyone else, but he's done this, Giovinco's done this so many times that he's good at it. Kevin Kratz, known for his free kicks, uh, agreed that it was a free kick taker's free kick. So anyway, Atlanta United still had a couple of chances to score at the end. Anton Walks nailed a volley uh, that Bono was able to keep out. And then Jeff Lorenowitz got his knee on a shot uh, that went over the goal. But let's go back to the, uh, the first goal. It was a weird play, a side ahead of the ball. It went off of uh, Drew Moore's hand. You couldn't see it from where we were. We didn't see it. The ball went to the other end of the field. Uh, Guzan had it, play had, still had not stopped, and suddenly the referee stops the play and signals it VAR. Had, it had stopped, but I think the way that went, if I remember it correctly, Assad goes in for the header, Drew Moore had, had jumped, he had his hand up, uh, came off his hand. We thought it just went off the side of Assad's head in real time. Uh, Martinez couldn't get it. Toronto broke down the right side. Anton Walk stepped in with a nice challenge, I think on Altidore, if I remember right. But he won the first challenge, but it went backwards, and he was able to recover it before it went out for a goal kick, and I think it ended up going out for a throw, and that's when the ref stopped it. And the thing about VAR, they've said that it's only to be used in situations of a clear and obvious mistake. Those are the words that keep getting thrown out by the league. And in this one, I didn't see it live. We didn't know what they were reviewing. Mm, we, the we players were, didn't either. We were trying to work backwards. Like, okay, there's nothing on the walks challenge that would be reviewed. There was nothing in the box down there. And we start coming back to here. And it's like, well, was there a foul somewhere in the box? Because it had to be a penalty. Yeah, I thought maybe there was an off-the-ball elbow or something like that. Yeah. They were looking at a red card situation. Once we, once we saw a replay, then it's like, okay, that makes total sense. Right. And... In that situation, you know, it's not something that the, the center referee could have seen. It's not something the assistants probably would have seen. They probably wouldn't have been in position to. That's the role of the, the VAR. Mm -hmm. And it was correct. I mean, you see the replay. It's absolutely a handball. Assad's header is, is going on frame from that distance mm -hmm. inside the six. And you have to call that handball. So that was the odd piece of, of news from the game. The good piece of news from an Atlanta United fans' perspective and team perspective was the entrance of Miguel Almiron, who has missed the past four games with a hamstring injury, as well as Chris McCann, who started and played, I think, the whole game. He played the full 90. He yeah, good. Um, but Almiron came in. How did you think he played, Jason? I thought you could see a noticeable change in the speed of play and just in the electricity of this team once Almiron came on. Um, I think it unlocked a lot of things for Joseph Martinez. He seemed to be getting frustrated before that. And it seemed like the team was responding to Joseph's frustration by trying to feed him more. And 
and forcing things to him. So everything just seemed disjointed. Almiron came in and, and looked like the Miguel Almiron that we've seen all season. He didn't look like he had lost a step. He, he looked very smooth. And the second goal for Atlanta started with an Almiron pass out wide, a quick decision, a quick pass, which is something that I think has been an issue with the team as they've missed him is they've slowed down their play and at times it seems like they overthink their their attacking play. Almiron plays quickly and decisively and that ball out to Vishalba, then Vishalba with a quick cross into Martinez at the six. That's, that's where Joseph's going to eat all day. At the same time, we were talking about this before we started this broadcast. We both kind of agreed that they're not playing as patient as they have been during the season where they would kind of work the ball left and right and try to create seams. Instead, they're, they're continuing to pound the ball down the middle over and over and over again. And when you do that, you lose possession and you put your defense back under pressure. Um, so it's going to be interesting to see what happens Wednesday or Thursday when they host Columbus. Because if y'all will remember the Columbus games, Atlanta United resorted to long balls down the middle to win both games. Uh, the one in Columbus, uh, they won off an assist from Alec Can, of all people, the goalkeeper, uh, on a goal to Viaba. He could have had one to Joseph Martinez that he just missed scoring on. Um, Martino referenced this in his post-game press conference that Columbus made us play in ways that we aren't used to playing. Um, the crew, I think, are a very, very good team. I've been high on them all season. Y'all ragged on me a little bit when I put them above Atlanta United in the power pole, in my power pole. But that's neither here nor there. How do you think this game is going to go? They're a better team than they were when Atlanta played them earlier. Uh, they needed to move Ethan Finley on. He was just out of sorts in Columbus and holding that team back. Pedro Santos, very good signing. Uh, they're they're dangerous. They're they're different than they used to be. They attack through the middle more than they ever have. They used to be a team that would pound it down the flanks and, and put in crosses to Kai Kamara. Now they're a team that likes to play through the middle with their wingers, Merrim and Santos, cutting inside. They're, they're inverted wingers. I actually kind of like that matchup from an Atlanta perspective because then you're you're playing into the teeth of Lorenowitz and Carmona, which I feel is the best defensive midfield pairing. And with Leandro Gonzalez Perez coming back, right. he should be back to that setup. The question is Parkhurst. Uh, he came up a little lame after the play with Altador and I noticed it then but I thought maybe he was trying to buy his team some time after giving up the goal you know taking his time being the, the savvy veteran that he is but it was after Atlanta took the lead that when you come back and you look at it Parkhurst did not go down with the pile with everyone celebrating he stayed back and he was kind of testing his lateral movement back and forth and he was he committed the foul on Giovanni Coast free kick and you could tell that he just he wasn't right at that point he actually motioned to the trainer yeah I'm done yeah he said after the game that he was okay but I think we can see him walking off the field right now uh, it may not be him I, I can't tell for a fact um, he said he was okay, but he was moving a little gingerly in the locker yeah. room. They've got a few days to work on him. I would be absolutely stunned if he can't. The AJC's trusted veteran political voices, Greg Bluestein, Patricia Murphy, Tia Mitchell, and Bill Nygut are the essential source for Georgia politics. The Atlanta Journal-Constitution's Politically Georgia. Sign up for the newsletter, download the podcast, subscribe to the AJC. I'm Ernie Suggs, race and culture reporter for the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. And I'm Ned Ravone, lifestyle columnist. Atlanta has been known as the Black Mecca for so many years, but that means something different to everybody. It means everything to me. 
I've been living here for 24 years and I am still amazed at how rich the city's black culture continues to grow. Every day I wake up, I learn something new. Well, you all can learn something new by subscribing to the Atlanta Journal-Constitution's new newsletter called Unapologetically ATL. It's all about the people, the events, and the entertainment happening in Metro Atlanta that Black people might want to know about. Like historically Black colleges and universities. Atlanta's thriving art scene. And the city's growing neighborhoods. Wherever you live, we want to hear from you. We want to hear what issues are important to you. So subscribe today at www.ajc.com slash unapologetically ATL. Only from the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. Oh,